0: Crossroads Podcast. I am Maria, the co-president of the Intersectional Feminist Society at King's College London, and I'm here with Melanie.
1: Hi, um, I'm Melanie. Um, I work in research and advocacy with women and girls that have experienced domestic abuse. So today we're going to be talking with Valerie Lola Marie. Um, she is the founder of Women of Grace that supports FGM survivors, and she also wrote a book um, called The Unwanted. And she does motivational talks with um, FGM survivors. So today we're going to be speaking about all of that amazing work that she's doing. And um,
0: yeah, we hope you you enjoy the episode. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. We hope that you enjoy this episode. And if you want to support the creatives and the speakers that are being invited to talk with us at Crossroads Podcast, there will be a link below for, for... for your donations. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Yeah, we're ready to start. <laughs> well, <laughs> hi, I'm Maria. Today we will be talking with Valerie Lolomari, who is an anti FGM advocate, resilience coach, author, motivational speaker, chef, healthcare practitioner, and founder of Women of Grace. Women of Grace is a charity that delivers masterclasses, creates support networks, and provides one-to-one support to FGM survivors. I am here with Melanie, a Kiesel graduate who works as an advocate and researcher for women that have experienced domestic abuse. We will be discussing Valerie's work as an anti-FGM advocate and of Women of Grace. So are you happy to tell us a bit about your early life and where you grew up and your journey to becoming an anti-FGM advocate?
2: Yes, thank you, Maria, and thank you, Melanie, for having me. So I grew up in the western part of Africa. I come from Nigeria. That's where I grew up. I was born to two teenagers, so I ended up staying with my grandmother. So my grandma looked up to me. She brought me up. So I did my elementary school. I did my first degree as well, back home in Nigeria. Then I got married, and then I came over here. So I've been in the UK now for about 24 years. And I grew up in a a kind of a polygamous setting because I grew up with my grandmother. She was the first of about, I think about six wives. Yeah, so we had a lot of us in the same compound. We Mm -hmm. lived together in that compound with my grandfather. So my grandma, um, I used to go (laughs) to the local shops. My grandma had a shop where she sold African fabrics and I used to go to the shops with her. And my grandmother was the, she was the mother I knew. So I trusted her. I loved her with every fiber I had in me. So when I was about about 15, I think 15 and a half or thereabout, on one of our trips, she had said to me, we were going out to visit an auntie. And there, there I was, I I believed her, I trusted her, never had any idea that anything was going to go wrong. Even though I knew where I come from, they practice the um, female genital mutilation. I was quite young there as well. I never, ever knew that something was gonna happen. So I went out with her, we went in a car, we went somewhere to visit somebody who was supposed to be an auntie. But when, I, when we got to the gate, I kind of felt a bit uncomfortable. I don't know, you know when you feel something is creepy or you didn't quite understand what was gonna happen. So we got there and they opened the gate and they let us in. As soon as we got in through the gate, the gate was locked behind me by by some um, lady, big, huge lady. So I was looking, I said to my grandma, what's going on? And she said, oh, no, no, no. It's nothing, I'll explain to you when you go in. So by the time we got into the house, the house house was shut. We had three real real grown women in the room. And then I saw the, the person at the quarter as as they call them that did you was sitting on the floor with some pots and things you know things were prepared already so I said to my grandma what's going on and then she started to explain to me oh no it's a thing of joy for her is a cultural thing you have to do this and all that I tried as much as I could to fight but I couldn't before I knew I was on the floor and someone sitting on my chest you know and it's it was it was a terrible experience for me because at that point I knew I couldn't fight anymore. So I just I I left myself to faith. But then I was so angry inside me because I feel really rejected. I feel betrayed. I really felt betrayed at that time, thinking to myself, oh, I I trusted her so much. That's why I came with her. But she, you could see the joy on her face, because she was very happy that she was doing something good. So at that point, she didn't know that she was that it was going to destroy my life. So that was the story of how I got caught. Uh, and the, um, because I was struggling so much as well, I got to know later on my grandmother was saying to me, they were going, it was supposed to be a type one FGM, mm-hmm. but it ended up being more or less like a type two because I was fighting so much. I was in mm-hmm. so much pain, screaming, and fighting. They went on to cut the other bits where which they did not intend to cut so it, it became worse than, than than a type one so sometimes when i'm explaining i really don't know if, if it was a type one or type two or in between because they made a mistake and cut something else yeah so that's the story of my fga mm-hmm.
0: thank you so much for for sharing um for sharing with us we would also um like to know the work you do now and why do you think it's so important for for FGM survivors
2: FGM is a very important subject to me like I said it affected every every area of my life it did affect me in so many ways I suffered tremendously during childbirth I had a lot of miscarriages I lost seven babies I had seven miscarriages so I I feel it's it's very important to talk about it I feel it's very necessary to raise the awareness. We need to really greatly raise the awareness of FGM because it destroys you completely. And it took me a very, very long time to be able to stand up, to speak out about my experience. It took a long time. I was just very lucky that when when I got married, I was quite open. So I told my husband, so he knew what I had gone through. So he was prepared to support me and he has supported me all the way. But some people might not have that that courage to share their experience. But even after telling him, and I knew that he was supporting me all along, I still couldn't share my story outside. I I was feeling so ashamed because of the stigma as well. And some people sort of shove it in your face that is a cultural thing. They don't want to get involved. They feel as if it's a taboo subject. So you kind of feel very lonely and isolated. So because of what I have been through, it's it's a very important subject that needs to be talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And is that
1: kind of, um, do you think like the social media advocacy as well that you're doing is specifically important for that? So kind of raising awareness and that sort of thing within. Yes, it is very
2: important because a lot of people with lived experience as well Mm. who share the story on social media. Because I mean, in the present age and time where we are now, social media plays a huge role in our day to day life. So, you know, talking about FGM on social media, a lot of people pick it up. Some people who might even be isolated can just watch social media and hear the people's story and get encouraged and want to jump on the bandwagon. And then also for information, you might have potential victims and they will watch social media and they'll know where to go, where to reach out to people, and Mm -hmm. they will feel encouraged as well. So I think social media plays a huge, huge role in raising awareness about FGM.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes, definitely.
1: So yeah, can you uh, tell us a bit about your journey into then setting up um, Women of Grace?
2: um, (laughs) Like I said, because of what I've been through for so long, I couldn't really talk about it. I was ashamed, but I got to the point where I started to talk to myself. And then I said to myself, Valerie, don't be selfish. You need to go out there, share your story to help someone. I started yeah. to quest- question myself, actually, to say, look at the way you are feeling. There's so many people who are feeling this way out there, feeling isolated. So your voice needs to be heard. Yeah. I have made con- a very conscious decision to save even one more person, not to go through this really, really, really horrible, horrible practice. Mm. So I decided to come out. And I did that (laughs) sometime last year when I became 50. I said to myself, that was gonna be my 50th birthday to myself. I, I bet the present to myself to come out and speak and speak about it. So within the six months, I wrote a book about my journey, my whole story and all the things that I have been through and then I stepped up into the open and my goodness oh just for speaking up I started getting people coming to me a lot of people started coming to me started opening up and sharing their story some of those people people have known for years as well and I didn't know mm-hmm. that they have gone through some kind of gender-based violence yeah yes kind of I bring didn't...
1: way to bring people together i guess honestly like, yeah
2: so things exactly. just started opening up and yeah so that was the birth of when women um that's that was the birth of <laughs> women of grace nice and um mm-hmm.
1: yeah can you um i know the charity ones like um some mask classes and things like that i just wondered if you'd like to kind of um explain kind of what type of masterclasses they run and um what the main aims
2: are and those sorts of things okay so um when I started um women of grace we started doing um I started helping the women online because then was during the pandemic so we're doing zoom um zoom meetings but now we're slowly coming into the community and I have a whatsapp group I have a private whatsapp group yeah so when people are referred from the either any of my social media facebook or instagram or linkedin and then then now get put into the um, WhatsApp group, which is a private safe space. For me, I wanted to create a safe space for where people will come and, you know, interact with people like them. So they know that they're not alone in their journey. So that's why I have the um, WhatsApp group. And then I started to carry out empowerment masterclasses. We talked about mental health, confidence, self-care, so those are the kind of masterclasses that I run every, we do it once every, every month. And then we raise awareness as well, yes. So those are the masterclasses. But yeah, for me, my, my priority in the charity is to empower the survivors that are suffering with psychological effects because the end goal for us is to eradicate FGM. But we have so many ambassadors out there who are quiet because they don't want to share their story. They're not getting the support that they need. So yeah, if I empower share, them, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So if we work, you know, to help them build them back up, you know, you know, encourage them and through these masterclasses, help them look up to their well-being, regain their confidence, then they'll mm-hmm. be able to come out and share the story and also impact their own community. And thereby, yeah, we're raising a lot of awareness. Yeah. 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 And um, why
1: would you say you think um, creating community is really important for FGM survivors?
2: It's absolutely important because, number one, you're not going to feel isolated. Number two, you're going to be in a community of people who are like you, like-minded people. And then yeah. you can share your experience. You will have a safe place as well. You know, yeah, where you exactly. can go. And yes, you open up and speak. And then you become a force. You become mm. a force. Then you become a champion as well to spread and raise awareness to help other people. So it's mm. very, very important. It raises your awareness. It educates you as well, because some survivors might not even know the legal bits that are involved in, in mm. the FGM, in the FGM campaign. So building a community is it's, it's a huge bonus.
1: Yeah, mm. I think having that safe space where different people can talk about. Um, just share and be able to um, speak with people that have had similar experiences. Um, it can help you feel um, more empowered as well, I, I think. Um,
0: and I guess helps you break through that isolation that you were mentioning before, because you feel yes. supported by your community and it all...
2: Yes. And it gives you some kind of encouragement as well. Because yeah. when, yeah. you, when you, you know that you have a safe space where you can actually be yourself, and go mm. through and talk through your experience, that is going to help even in the healing process. You're not yeah. speaking to people who are going to look at you funny and thinking, oh, I don't want to talk about the subject. Do you know what I mean? Oh, it makes me feel funny. No, you are in a place where you're just yourself. You can express yourself and you know talk about what's happened to you and your FGM journey. And that mm. opens it opens you up to become a champion, which is my ultimate goal yeah. for you to join. Yeah and it's also good I guess if you don't
1: have anyone um if you don't feel like you could some people might not feel that they can talk to their immediate friends about these sorts of things so it gives a space for people as well that don't feel like they can talk to um yeah the other people that they're close with about it um and absolutely
2: um, yeah
1: (laughs) Do you um, have a story of a time where you supported um, an FGM survivor to a place that kind of place of what you said um, about being a champion?
2: Um, oh, absolutely! I've, I've yeah. not, not one. <laughs> I have a lot of them. A lot of them <laughs> who have come out. You know, and you know, I had I use one typical example. This was somebody who was very shy, very withdrawn, doesn't want to say much in public. When you invite her to do things, she doesn't want to go. But when I started my FGM journey and she opened up and I knew that she is a survivor as well. And I started to cancel her because when even in the master classes, I also have one-to-ones as well. People yeah. have one-to-ones with me where they can actually, you know, call me and then we arrange a Zoom meeting and, and that's yeah, so, get so both. it's yeah, that same. Absolutely. So, you know, slowly, slowly we started working together and now she's flying. She's flying in her community. She started even writing her book about her journey. Wow. And you that's know, the amazing. last time I saw, yeah, we had a one-to-one and the progress that I saw just made me, you know, I was I, I was very pleased because yeah. that's what I want to see. And there's so many more like her out there. But now she's come out of her shell. She's going that's to be so helping good. so many other people in mm. her community as well. Mm. So that's just one example of so many more. So many more of them who have come out of their closet to to say to me, "You know what Valerie, I've been through this as well i didn't know who to speak to, and this is what I've been going through in my marriage. This is how it's affected me, and I didn't know and you know it's it's just it's very rewarding to see that
1: yeah it just shows the impact of like creating that um community and yeah. that can have um as well as doing those kind of master classes and helping somebody to then um Yeah, just get more confident um, in talking about that. Um, Mm -hmm. I was just wondering if you wanted to talk about your hopes for the charity, like going forward, like the work you want to do within the community. Um, I know you mentioned some
2: things about training and stuff like that. Um, Yeah. So, like I said, we are slowly coming into the community now. So it's not just Zoom anymore. We're going to start having um, face-to-face classes as well. But also, I have started collaborating as well. I've got two or three other organizations locally that we're starting to collaborate. So what I'm intending to do now yeah, is just going in, you know, talking to the community leaders, talking to the counselors. They even the church leaders in my community. That's where I'm starting from. And then I'm going to carry out surveys as well. I need to do service so that we can set in the prevalence starting for my community it's always said for you to start from home Mm -hmm. so i'm starting from right where i am yeah so i'm going to start going into secondary schools because i know a couple of years ago i think it was in 2019 the government made it compulsory that FGM must be taught in the secondary school age during their PSHE subjects Mm -hmm. so that yeah yes so it's compulsory now that's so now, actually. yeah, yeah. it, it, is.
1: Now compulsory. Yeah, that's it is compulsive, but
2: some people are still not doing it, though, because mm, they yeah. don't understand the severity yeah. of it. So this is why I'm carrying out the surveys now. So I'm going to start initially start talking and educating the teachers as well so that they understand yeah. the signs to look out for and how to report it. And then yeah. slowly we'll move on to educating the children as well. So, yeah. Um, um it's 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 going to be an exciting time for the charity. Yeah, I, think, I think that's really important around ed-
1: speaking to the children as well, because um yeah, I don't yeah. think I remember anyone speaking to me about FGM no. when I was younger, unless you've it's something that I think um you've been directly affected by or know somebody. I think yeah. it wasn't yeah. talked about and I'm much younger. Um,
0: and because you don't have that knowledge, you cannot break the taboo and start talking about it because there's just no education around it. So precisely. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah that's why we need to... Yeah. We sorry,
2: Melanie. No, yeah, that's no, why we okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why we, that's why we need to keep raising the awareness because yeah. in the past, FGM has been perceived as a taboo subject or a cultural thing. So they're mm. thinking that they don't want people to know about it but fgm Mm. is everybody's business though it's violence on a girl child so everyone needs to be educated about it it needs to be spoken about more so that people know how to recognize the signs and help because you could have a neighbor who's a potential victim but if you don't know if you don't know about fgm how are you going to help the neighbor Mm. Yeah. yeah and i think as well um
1: If you're not teaching about it within school, some people could then learn about it from the wrong places or have misconceptions about it or that sort of thing. And then not actually um, have like then, you know, have the right education on
2: it, if that makes sense. So then. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, very important for the children as well to learn about it. So even if they come from the area where that is practiced, because mm-hmm. you would have educated them on the dangers of it, when yeah. whoever comes to tell them or the sense that they are going to get them to do that, they can report, they can raise an alarm quickly. But if they're not educated, they might be brainwashed by the by whoever yeah. is, is going to practice, it's going to take them to practice it. So ch- children need to be educated so they know that their bodies. And not to be used to as experiments, so they know that they can refuse and say, "No, I don't want you to yeah. do that to me because it's not right." Yeah, because yeah,
0: especially as a child, you have not not much conception about body autonomy and uh, the right that you have towards um, towards yeah towards yeah. your body and gaining that autonomy and like as a child knowing. Uh, what your rights are around your body is also coming through education. Because if it's not through education, you're just not aware or have no conception of those boundaries that are important um, to be drawn through that education. And um, I was wondering if you could tell us also a bit more about your motivational talks and um, like maybe a time where you think that you have seen, I mean, you've already mentioned the impact of the survivor writing her own book um, is there any other story of about like a positive impact on a survivor's life through this that you've seen after these motivational talks that you offer? Yeah. Now the motivational talks as well, I us just tell you a little story about
2: that. It started yeah. during the pandemic for me. Oh, I see. It okay. started when I was going through my own struggles. Yeah. And that's yeah. how it started. So I started to motivate myself. Then I started getting people coming to me, the survivors as well. And I thought to myself, you know what, Valerie? you can also impact a wider wider audience. And that's how I started doing the Monday Motivational Talks. And they have been amazing. They have been amazing. And I tell you something that was so funny. Sometimes I have a specific time where the, the um, talks go out. And you know how when you, you um, put them on a the schedule, sometimes it goes a little yeah. bit later. If it's about 10, 15 minutes late, I get the women sending me messages all we haven't received. The motivational talk today is in our coming. So that for me is so, it shows, oh yes, it it does show the impact and it's helped them quite a lot. And because they always say to me, even when I have like one-to-ones with them, they'll refer to something, you know, like, oh, the other day I was going, I was feeling so down. And when I listened to the motivational talk, it was as if he was speaking to me and I I got up and I got on with my day. So it's just those little, little, little differences that is making and that's really 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 encouraging because sometimes yeah. you just need it's just it doesn't take too too much to be kind to someone it doesn't take too much for you to say the right words to someone and yeah. you don't know how far these things would go so it's really impacted yeah. quite a lot of people and i'm getting positive feedbacks daily
0: yeah, yeah. so you <laughs> think this assists uh women gaining independence and um feeling absolutely well,
2: they, yeah. They're getting back on their feet. They're feeling, you know, they're, they're regaining their self-worth back as well. It's helping yeah. them quite a lot, you know. And things that, so I've had someone say to me about you, I never knew that I had so much in me until I listened to one of your series. And it, it sort of juggled my mind and I'm getting on, I'm doing my own thing, you know. And it's just helping because giving people that confidence back. Because at the end of the day for me all I want to do is just see these women get back on their feet and live their best
0: lives that's it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, could you tell us a bit about your book the unwanted and what were some of the key messages you hope to get a, uh, to get across through through this book okay so the
2: unwanted is yeah. is basically my journey It's my journey from birth till <laughs> i <laughs> i got married is my journey and the, the only thing out of the book is it just shows the resilience because I had mm, such a traumatic yeah. upbringing. I had such mm. a traumatic past. You know, even when I got, after going through all of that, when I got married, then I started struggling with all the miscarriages. So at every point in my life, I was faced with real, real tough issues. But I was yeah. resilient. I was just resilient. I had yeah. so much hope and that's what that's the simple meaning of the unwanted you know when you go through the book it shows you all my struggles but yet showed you how resilient I was looking into the future being hopeful that I'm going to hit my target I'm going to live my best life I'm going to walk in my passion and and that's what the unwanted
0: is about yeah well it's inspirational and um (laughs)
1: What would you say are some of your main tips for um, kind of resilience, I guess? The
2: number one thing for me is just love yourself. You have to (laughs) love yourself. (laughs) You need to love yourself. And you need to understand that change is inevitable. Mm. So you need to be confident and just stand by your decisions. When Mm. you make a decision, it doesn't matter if it comes out wrong. Yeah, you don't Mm. have to beat yourself. You sit down. Go back and have a look at the plan. Like... How did I, how did it go wrong? What am I going to do the next time to make it better? There's no need beating yourself. You know, we learn every single day. So you just need to love yourself, make a lot of time for yourself, make your decisions. You can decide what you want to do. It doesn't matter if it turns out good or bad. If it turns out good or jolly well, if it turns out bad, you have a look at it. Why did it turn out bad? What can I do to make it better? Or do I have a plan B? This is not working. Can I go over and, yeah. and try my plan B? So those are my packs for being resilient. Yeah,
0: thank you so much. Thank you, yeah. Thank you so much for, That's okay. for sharing sharing with us. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's been, been amazing to talk to, to, you. Yeah, to, to, you, to ask you. It's really
1: interesting. <laughs>
2: Um, yes, nice to meet you <laughs> I thank you, so day, but... me oh, thank you so much. Me too. Thank you, thank really you. so much, and That's
0: Jack. okay. Take um, care. Take bye. care. Bye bye. 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 Thank you to Valerio Lomari for sharing with us her experience and uh, her beautiful words around the work she's doing on anti-FGM advocacy, the amazing work she's doing. It's been a pleasure for us to have her and at Crossroads podcast. And we thank the listeners as well for supporting us, for listening, we hope you've enjoyed this episode um, with uh, Valerie Lolo There'll be some links as well um, that we'll attach. Yeah, we'll attach some links below to her work if you would like to read
1: her book or um, look up more about her charity and the work that they're doing. And yeah, thank you again for listening. Um, And hope to see you in the next podcast.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
2: Bye.